0: Well, we're going to we're continuing today in our series on uh, the most asked questions and this uh, comes from a survey that was taken in the summer and uh, you put down the things that uh, you thought were uh, most needful to have a biblical answer in your life and then they were compiled i think we had about 135 uh, inquiries come back in maybe it was 120 jonathan did the work on it and then we put uh, the, the seven most asked, and we're doing them in descending order last week, was how to know the will of God in your life. And uh, that uh, is available on CD if you missed that or if you'd like to take that for further study. And today we're going to deal with essential things that you must teach your children. The way it was listed in the le- in the survey was critical things, but essential things, I think, says the same thing. Now, this, uh, this week's message, as I prepared for this before the Lord and the Word, uh, really is about uh, the most uh, earthy and practical that uh, out of the seven that you have uh, asked for help. Uh, next week, juxtaposed, is uh, the most doctrinal, as we're going to deal with, the extent of the atonement. I mean, we're swinging from one end of the spectrum to the other. So hold on to your britches here as we go. Uh, I'm not saying that doctrine isn't practical. It's immensely practical. But sometimes uh, when you're dealing with a very practical section of God's Word and teaching, it's not the high and lofty uh, doctrinal planks that it would be otherwise. It's like the second half of the epistles. Uh, It's the therefore. And based upon the doctrine... Paul says, "Walk worthy, right?" In Ephesians 4:1, and and others were it. Now we we're going to build this, so that's where we're going today. So essential things. Now let me give you some materials. There's a lot of junk out there insofar as raising children, but I've I have pulled what I consider the best. Notice, Dr. Benjamin Spock is uh, is absent from uh, my selection here, with good reason, right? But. Uh, <laughs> Some of you were raised, my mother's neighbor was from Boston, and when she was raising her kids, oh, Beverly, you've got, Bev, do you know my mom's name was Bev? Her, you've got to get Benjamin Spock and raise your children. Oh, you shouldn't spank your boy. Oh, boy, I kinda, I like that idea when I heard her say it over the fence. But uh, my mother knew better, you know. <laughs> and Mrs. O'Connor, she was really well-educated. But anyway, Uh, shepherding a child's heart this is i think the word of god is number one and then if there are any others beyond that that teach us help us understand the word all right here it is okay so the word is one this is shepherding the heart of a child i think uh, ted tripp really nails it here and you should all have this and if you have grandkids you ought to have it and give it to them And uh, we can buy a bunch of these. We've done that in the past, but I really think that's an excellent book. His brother, Paul Tripp, incidentally, wrote one, uh, The uh, Age of Opportunity. This is for teens, and this is very well in applying uh, the biblical mandate for parents and training their children up in the things of the Lord. And and with a particular teen age and the challenges of that, it's called The Age of Opportunity, Paul David Tripp. Trip has two Ps in it. I have these up here at the end if you want to look at that. And then a friend of mine wrote a book a number of years ago, Cheryl Fawcett. She was a colleague, fellow faculty member where I taught for a number of years, Cheryl Fawcett. And it's, I have a question about God. This is doctrine for children and their parents. Uh, Regular Baptist Press produced this. And uh, Cheryl Fawcett was the uh, lead author on it, Robert Newman, uh, I think professor at Cedarville University was the co-author, and, uh, uh, and and so on. Now, what uh, you that you may find that a little tough to get a hold of. You can look for that on Amazon.com, and again, you can come up and get these later. And, and more recently, RBP has taken the the heart of the "I Have a Question About God" book, uh, which has beautiful graphics in it, and it's written in a story. Yeah, just, just wonderful for you to teach your young children. And RBP more recently has taken the content of the hardcover and come out in in a in paperback series like this. And uh, God and Jesus, kids question about God. Again, Cheryl Fawcett, Robert Newman, the Bible and creation, uh, sin and salvation, the church and the future. So these are available, and I wanted to bring these because... Uh, They are excellent, excellent resources that will help you in some very practical ways to teach uh, the scriptures to your your children and to your grandchildren, okay? So uh, we'll put these, honey, let me put these. Why don't you take these there? We'll put these right right down in front. All right, essential things you must teach your children. Take your Bible. Let's look at Proverbs chapter, I mean Deuteronomy chapter 6. And then we're going to look at Proverbs. A lot of well-known verses here. This is not rocket science. A lot of teaching and preaching is, uh, is reminding us what we already know, but we tend to forget it. You know, it's like, you ever study a foreign language? Polyvior francis? Yeah, but don't ask anymore. I can't remember it because I haven't used it. If you don't use it, you lose it, right? Kind of a thing. And uh, it's sort of like that. So we're going we're gonna to go back to a lot of old familiars here today. And in Deuteronomy chapter 6, the Shema This is the one that all Jews know. In verse 4, Deuteronomy 6, 4, Hear, that's the word Shema in Hebrew. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your strength. And these commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Look at verse 7. Impress them on, on your children. Impress them. They're not up for grabs. It's not this nonsense. Well, you know, I'll let my teen decide if they want to go to church. Oh, my eight year old doesn't want to go to Sunday school. I'll let them decide. You're out of your minds. You never would let your kids do that in, in driving your car, would you? Well, hey, if they want to drive the car, eh, let them figure out how to do it if they want to. No way. You're not getting the keys, right? For something like a car, what's a car, right? It can be replaced. Their soul is forever. Okay? Impress. I mean, we're to squeeze them upon our children. That's not my word. It's God's word here. Impress them on your children. And, Dad, now in all of this, Dad, you're going to be the key. Mom, she's right there. But, Dad, you're the key. Talk about them. Look at this. It's a 24-7. Talk about them. When you sit at home, you're sitting around the table... When you walk down the road, you're going down 81, going up to the mountains, going somewhere. You're talking about it as you go. When you lie down at night, incidentally, that's a wonderful time to teach children. When they lay down at night, read a Bible story to them and pray. And when you get up in the morning, uh, look at that. In fact, verse 8. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your forehead. He's figurative. In other words, God's word is to be always before you. And you're to, you're, to, you're to know it. You're to love the Lord. And you're to impress it upon your loved ones. It takes focus. It takes diligence. It takes clarity of thought. What am I doing here anyway? You're not a spectator. A lot of folks are spectators in sports. A lot of football games yesterday, you know, wow some upsets. I can't believe Pittsburgh lost. Jenny, what happened there? Don't know. Yeah, I don't either. And Penn State, that was boring. What are they playing a team like that? Anyway, <laughs> you know, I, in five minutes I turned it off. I knew it was going to be a slaughter. A lot of folks in the stands, spectators. Only a few on the, no, God calls all of us to be on the field. You're out there, hit them. Get up and go, right? Stu Stu used to do that. LSU, did they win yesterday, LSU? Yeah. They did? Okay. We're all on the field. We're all on the field here. And uh, the Bible doesn't know anything about grandparents or great parents. Your your fathers, those are your kids, multiple generations down. Now, we call it grandfather, great-grandfather. We know what we mean by that. But uh, they're your kids. and, And you and I are to be doing whatever we can to impress the truths of God upon the hearts of our children. Look at one more. Go to Proverbs 22.6. You all know this. Almost all parents have memorized 22.6. Train up a child in the way he should go. When he is old, he'll not turn from. Now, this is not a promise. It's a principle. Don't say God promised it. It's a principle. It's generally true to life. If you train them up, incidentally, the Hebrew word is the palate. You're to train your children up in the way of their palate, and each person's palate is different. So it means that not one size fits all. Faith and I have three children, and none of them are here today, so I can be more open, all right? And uh, they're all different, you know, like and things they didn't like. that's like your side, honey, you know, and you never did that either. I know you didn't. That's the truth of it. It's just the opposite, probably. <laughs> But they're all different. Sarah was different, David, David's different, Jonathan, and, and it wasn't one size fit all on discipline. David has a very sensitive heart. If I raised my voice, he crawled in the corner and wilted. You know, well, I won't say which of the other ones. I had to get up and, and you know, <laughs> swing like Tarzan to get their attention, you know. <laughs> Am I making myself clear here, you know, and all the rest? Well, I was sort of like that, you know, and Faithy was the tender heart, you know, growing up. My father had to have me eyeball to eyeball. And when I felt the heat, it was amazing. I began to see the light. It's, it's funny. It's like politics, you know. <laughs> One size does not fit all. And recognize that with your children and your grandchildren. It doesn't. Train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he'll not depart from it. Well, what can we say? Look at, look at the introduction on your sheet. There are many important things to do in life, aren't there? There are. There are. There are a lot of things. One of the most important... One of the most important is for parents to raise their children in the training and instruction of the Lord. It's not one of a number that are of equal value. It's right up there near the top, in my estimation. Paul says it, and we'll look at Ephesians six four. In fact, we'll look at that even right now. Look at look at uh, what we're there. Ephesians uh, 6, 1-4, children, obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. Do we have two, Danny? Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. And fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the Nurture or training in the admonition or instruction of the Lord. Well, our children, have you noticed, cannot raise themselves? Have you noticed that? You can't be absent on this thing. This uh, quantity, quality time. Well, I'm not there much, but I give quality time. That's, that's bogus. You've got to be there for this much to find those few quality moments. And uh, they're there and they're gone. It uh, it is something that you and I must do as parents. They must be guided along by a mom and a dad. That's God's plan for the family. It's not two women, it's not two men, it's a mom and a dad. That's his plan. Well, before we look at some of the essentials, uh, it's important for us to remember a couple of things. First of all, number one, what do we remember by way of beginning? Your children do not belong to you. They're not yours. They're yours for a season that we say they're my children, and we know what we mean by that, and that's okay, but they're really not yours. They belong to the Lord. And those rearing years, if God gives you a full life, they come and go. It's like a chapter or two of your life, and then they're gone. They are, Anna. Your dad. Uh, you you mentioned this morning where he said, "I'm an empty nester." That's it. And faith and I are em- empty nester this weekend, David's in Indiana. <laughs> they come and they go. That, that, it is. Don't think it's forever. I know when you're in the trenches, and, and particularly when you got a brood and they're younger, you feel like I can't even see daylight. And 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 and. and <laughs> And, and we need to encourage and help, and, and another day will come, and you will make it. We most have made it, okay? But uh, your children are not yours. Yet, you have the authority over them to discharge the duty that God has given to you. You function as God's agents. Have you ever thought of yourself that way? That's what you are. We're going to say it over and over. They're not your buddies. There's a mass confusion today with uh, broken homes and this and that, and we end up, parent-children become buddies. Nuh-uh. That will come later. If you do do right and God blesses, they'll become some of your very, very best friends in all the world. I promise you, they will. And the joy of that. But don't confuse the line of authority when they're in their junior ages. You're an authority figure. You're God's agent. Number two, second thing we need to remember, authority best describes the relationships that parents have with children. And the best description of that activity of a parent and child is shepherding. That's what you and I are doing. We're shepherding the heart of a child in the ways of God. And Let me say it over and over. The heart of your child is the issue. Their heart their attitudes, their inner disposition. What's going on in the inside, not their behavior. Don't be so shallow. We say that. Well, he's shallow. You know, a guy all day to girl, "Well, she's shallow." I'm not going to Don't be shallow in the way you look at your kids. It's not the behavior. Guess what? The behavior is a symptom. <clears throat> what we do is a symptom of, of our heart. Everything generates from the heart. The heart is all important. In in Proverbs 4.23, let's remember that. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. And so really, how do you describe the role of a parent? They're the authority, and the work is they're going to shepherd the heart of a child in the ways of God. That's it. The heart is all important. And we'll talk about that. If you just settle for the external behavior so it's sort of acceptable you could have a child who is very pleasing sits there quiet folds her hand looks ahead follows directions but can be a raving raving rabble in their heart and it will come out in time don't settle for merely the externals we see it in churches right and people come in, they stand, they sit, they give, and, you know, they pray at the right moment, they leave, and they live like pagans. And the, uh, the, the, the need of a parent is to, to get down where it's dirty and messy into the, the motives of the heart, to the thinking of the child. It's not so much what they did, but why did you do that? And get into that heart and shepherd it so important. Number three, the Bible gives us all that we need to be equipped for the task of parenting. The Bible is sufficient for life and godliness. It's tremendous. The book, the whole book, and nothing but the book. These other books simply help us to understand the the great book, the scriptures. That's it. Thank you, Benjamin Spock. No thank you. Number four. Most of life's essentials are caught, not taught. Now, this is where it's going to hook all of us. Did you hook them and fry them? This is where we're all going to be hooked and fried today, okay? Just not say, whew, my kids are raised. No, no, here it is. This is what all of us ought to be if we've grown up. And we ought to realize so much of life is caught. We see it. The eye is a better learner than the ear. Job said that. Before I'd only heard of you, Lord, with the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you after he went through that terrible time. And <clears throat> so many of these things are caught as they see, our children see these things lived out in us. And they know us, don't they? They know us. We may say one thing to our kids, but they see our life and they see our values, they live with us, they know. And we've given birth to rebels like ourselves, sinners lost by nature, and they'll see right through it. I had an eighth grade science uh, teacher, Mr. I can't remember his name. I remember he used to give harushkas. That's a good Russian word. He'd come in, if we were talking, he'd grab. You can't do this today anymore. <laughs> but you would grab, say, your hair and lift you right out of the seat, you know, and make it, your eyes with tear. I did that to my boys, and they Said Dad, that's parental abuse. <laughs> parental abuse. That's how I learned science. I totally <laughs> thinks I came from the moon. You know, <laughs> with the Harushkas, right? Well, I remember he was teaching us about smoking and nicotine and all that. I grew up. My my folks smoked. My dad used to hack and hack. It made me sick, really. But uh, he showed us, and he put he put a clean he put a, a hanky, and he sucked in a big drag and a cigarette. And then held it up, and we put it on a microscope and all that stuff. The tars and the nicotine and all that junk, and it's filling your lungs. And he smoked. And he said, I smoke, but let me give you a tip. Don't do what I do. Well, that was absolutely worthless. As he met half the class down in the bathroom, they have a cigarette between (laughs) classes. Unbelievable. That was worthless. Well, it's worthless in our life when Dad and Mom, when we say certain things... Completely contrary to what we do. Our, parents, our kids see right through it. And so, all of this I see is a call for us to love the Lord with all our hearts as, as parents, as, uh, as relatives, as grandparents, and, and it will be contagious. So, so many things are caught, not so much taught. And if you live by these things, you live these things out before your children, they'll imitate your life. But if you say one thing and live differently, they'll never follow your words. Never. Well, three categories. I thought, now how am I going to categorize? You're asking, what are the essential things in the survey? So I thought, all right, let's use this old acronym here. Three categories of instruction providing you with a, an essential curriculum for your children. Let's use joy. Some of you have had that little, little. Uh, the ladies would have a necklace with a little joy on it. You remember that was popular a lot of years ago, I remember that, but and we're going to talk about the first category is Jesus, J, and then second is O for others, and Y for, for you, joy. Jesus, other, and you. When you think about categories, it's just kind of a, a way that my, my mind worked in trying to categorize the different types of things that I think the Bible teaches us that we ought to teach our children if we're going to raise them in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. And so Jesus is the first category, J, You must lead your children to Jesus as their Savior and as their Lord. And in Matthew 22, the words of the Lord, uh, and, and when asked, well, what really is the great commandment? And Jesus said in Matthew 22, uh, verse 37 and 38, look what he said here, you're to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. I think he was summarizing the first four of the, of the big ten, you know, uh, of, of Moses' ten commandments. But uh, you say, well, what is it that we're to do? And the Lord said, this is the great commandment, that we're to teach our children to love the Lord with all their hearts. And it must mean if we're, if we're going to instruct them, you don't get the whiteboard out and get the markers and say, okay, kids, line up, here we go, number one. No, Here it is. You love the Lord with all your heart and soul and all your strength. And you know what? It will spill all over everything you do. I don't care if your parents didn't or if you were first generation. Love the Lord. If you're saved, it ought to to flow from you. God's Spirit wants that to happen in your life. Well, how do we do that? Look at A, your children must know that the Bible is God's Word. They must know that. Read it to them early, constantly pointing them to it. It is the Scriptures. They want to have, a, 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 when they get a certain age, a, a child's Bible, maybe some pictures in it. I remember uh, the moving from one grade level in our Sunday school to another, they gave us a Bible. I couldn't wait for that. But a Bible. My mother was the one who instilled that in me early. I knew early on that this was a book of all books. Uh, I, I've said it to you before. My brother and I had a, had a fight. My mother's trying to sort it out. Uh, did he do it? No, he did it. Dale, did he do it? I did it. Who did it? I don't remember who did it. But my mother, she was so totally exasperated, pulled out her Bible. Big. It was a big black leather Bible. Funny how you remember that. Put your hand on this book and swear to God. And I looked at her. She had like fear in her eyes. Like, this is important. What's What's this all about, you know? This is God's book, and you're going to swear before God whether you did it or didn't do it. Well, early on, when you're yay high, you know, that makes an impact. And then uh, then to be taught from the Scriptures and to know that, wait a minute, this is the book of books. It's not one of many. It is the Holy Bible. Holy means distinct or unique or one of a kind. It's the distinct book of the ages. Our children need to know that. Faith and I uh, enjoy hearing uh, how Sarah is teaching our little granddaughter the scriptures, you know, and how Taylor uh, just gravitates, too. We, we read the little children's books at night, and, and in fact, we're going to have her this week. We're going down to D.C. tomorrow. Greg's uh, medical conference is taking place in D.C., and they're flying in, and the great news this week is that Faith and I get to bring her home, and we're going to have her till uh, Thursday later in the day when we take her back down again. Stay overnight down there at the hotel with a conference and grudgingly give her back uh, and then head to head home on Friday or whenever. But uh, to hear the little Bible stories that uh that they're that she's learning. And we heard the other week that her favorite one now is on Jonah. Well, she's only what? How old is she, dear? Eighteen. Eighteen months. And uh, Sarah will start reading to her about Jonah. And uh, little Taylor starts, uh, takes her hand and whacks her butt. That Jonah was disobedient. And a and, certain and teacher to whack her butt, but she's <laughs> somewhere along. She's connecting the dots, you know. I remember uh, doing some animation with our kids when they were little in Indiana. And we would, we would actually uh, live out, animate Bible stories and my favorite was when uh, I uh, threw myself on the floor and swimming and then finally rolled over and died, and they had to guess who it was. And nobody could guess it. And finally, it was, all right, Dad, who is it? And I said, I'm the guy who missed the ark. <laughs> I missed the ark. The door was shut, and the floods came, and I swam, and then I went down. Oh, that leaves an impact. You know, when Dad's on the floor, none of you would understand if you saw me doing that. <laughs> Things you do when the door's shut. But I'm telling you, you teach the value of the Word of God. They'll never get over it. They'll never get over it. Never get over it. It's all important. So many people through the days are going to try and rob that from them. They will in the classrooms, and highly educated people, and the culture, and friends will scorn them. They've got to know that this is the book of books. It's, 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 the, it's the scriptures. They must know that. Well, B, they must understand that God is creator. As soon as a little child says, well, Daddy, where did I come from? They're asking one of the great theological questions of the ages. That's not a small question. God is creator. He made you. Wow, you're not scum that was floating on a palm that came to life and look at you. You have blue eyes and you're beautiful. No. Beautiful you are. God has made you that. You're extraordinary. We are His creation. We're accountable and responsible to Him. And that their chief end, Daddy, what are we to do in life? Mommy, we're to glorify God. We are made for His pleasure. And we're in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 and and, and, and the beauty of that in and, and Romans 1, that he's creator. And they ought to know that. See, they need to, to learn that uh, they were born a sinner and they have a rebel heart against God. They need to know that, uh, honey, sometimes you're going to feel like hitting somebody because they have a toy you want or you're going to feel like stealing or you're going to have a strong inclination to say things you shouldn't say. And the reason you do that is because you're like Daddy. I was born the same way, and the fruit didn't fall far. And you have a sin bent, and you have a re- re- rebellious heart. They need to know that, unless they think, what's the matter with me? They're not good little Billy and good little Mary. They're not. They may be good, but there's a there's a bent, a rebellious bent within them that you gave them, and that. Uh, I gave, along with faith, to our children. And you need to help them to know not only what they did was wrong, but why, because of this indwelling sin. That Romans uh, 3.23. We have that, Dan, have I lost uh, the, uh, the 3.23. Most of you know it. Uh, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And even your your, your little child or your teenager, Or your middle-ager. They need to know that. They need to know not only the what they did was wrong, but why they did it. That sin leads to death and death to judgment. In Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ the Lord. They need to know that there's a a heaven to be gained and a hell to be shunned. They need to know that. That uh, death doesn't end life. In fact, for the Christian, it's the doorway to really living. That's what Paul said. For now, I really live. It's much better by far to depart and to be with the Lord. And they, they will ask, "What happened to to uh, to Grandma when she died?" Never forget uh, Bob Albright's uh, grand uh, granddaughter. Little. Sophie, yeah, she came in when, when uh, Francis Sproul at her funeral. Uh, Francis, remember, they, we wheeled her in. They wheeled her in the wheelchair, and then Francis, 90-something, went to be with the Lord, and her funeral uh, was a, a tremendous blessing and celebration as God took her in her sleep. And little Sophie was, uh, mm, is she four or five, maybe? Five. Well, Grandma, where's great-grandma? Where is she? Well, she's in heaven. And then when we were in the funeral uh, getting ready for the service in comes Sophie and walked up to the casket and was all upset that mommy had lied that great grandma's over there laying down and not in heaven and how come and all of that. A little four or five year old child, they need to know. They're asking those questions. Their little puppy or kitty's gonna die. And that going to happen. I sat on the curb and watched my cat get run over. I've not gotten over that. Traumatized me for years. <laughs> the wheel threw it up and landed right at my feet. The thing was mangled up. <laughs> yep, I was waiting to go to Bible school. Boy, that left an impact. Where'd he go? You know, kids ask. And, it's, you know, this doggy heaven, cat kitty heaven, you know, talk about real things. I think there'll be animals there. We don't know. But, uh, you know, you know what I'm saying. They need to know about heaven and hell. They need to know these things. And you can teach them. You have the front row seat. Never forget Winston Churchill saying uh, that my greatest teachers were my mom and my dad. And it ought to be that way, the front row. Indeed, they, they need to know of God's great love, that our God is not only a God who's great and has created all things, even their life, but he's a God of love, He is the great lover, God so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever should believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life, that He provided for our sin in the Lord Jesus, our blessed Savior, that sin in their, that must be confessed, that that is they must agree with God, I've sinned. They must turn from that sin in repentance. And receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and be born again. Uh, Romans ten nine and 10, we won't look at those now. And Romans 5, 8 also teach that. Just that, that Christ must be saved. Jerry mentioned this morning, so many children come to saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I know that there are times where you may be too big uh, in a hurry to see them make a profession of faith. And, uh, and you just have to not rush. I, I failed once. I spoke at uh, a whole arena full of kids, and every one of them didn't want to go to hell and burn up in the flames of fire. And they all, I mean, imagine that to like eight-year-old. They're all jumping on the gospel ship. I don't know how many of them were saved. God in his mercy, I trust, saved some of them. But that's not, that's not quite the right message, is it? And you have to be careful about that. As you live Christ and love Him and their need of Christ, that they're sinners and continue to pray for them, and they'll know the the things that are important in your life, and as they hear you talk to others about their need of Christ, it it creates fertile soil for them. And uh, as uh, they uh, desire to be saved, for you to pray with them, and you may need to do that several times. And don't you be their conscience and their memory. You know, how do you know that Jimmy's saved? Well, my mother prayed with me on the rocking chair when I was three and a half. That's not it. That may have happened, but Mama said that to them a hundred times. Remember that? They need to, at some point, they need to walk with the Lord. We walk and lean on one another, but at some point, they come to an age where what's on the inside, their love of Christ, really comes into full bloom. So you may need to pray with them several times. I've done that with my children several times. They weren't, Dad, you know, I was younger. I'm not really sure I was saved. You know, I, I, I was afraid. I didn't want to go to hell. I knew I was a sinner. I did bad things. And uh, would you pray with me? I, 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 of course. Let's pray. Let's talk for a while. Let's read some scripture. Let's kneel and let's pray. And I count those some of the most sacred, wonderful moments of my life i do it a hundred times with my children if need be, you know. God in his grace is saving. He's the one who's electing, and the calling and election of God is sure. And if their tender hearts are right there, I don't care how old or young they are, I'm always willing and ready to pray with them on that, and as well as you should as, as too. And look at E. If they trust Christ, then God calls you and them to obedience. It's not fire insurance. We're not buying fire insurance, right? I don't want to go to hell. Those flames are hot, I hear, right? It isn't that. In fact, at points, it's, you, tell, you, you can't be saved because it requires your whole life. You're calling him Lord and Savior, or Savior and Lord, and we're to live for him in obedience 24-7 as living sacrifices, death to self. And they to live for Christ. That's what God calls us. And Romans twelve one that we heard even cited. Rob mentioned that. Let's look at it. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. That's what we do. The moment uh, we embrace Christ as Savior, we are to live in obedience. And F, and final, teach them the joy of attending church, of being in with God's people. We're never to forsake the assembly of ourselves together. That uh, that church is God's gathering of his people. It's not so much a building. It, it isn't, though we use that word in English. It's never found as a building in the Bible. It's always the people. It's the assembly We assemble together to worship, to pray, to be encouraged. And the reason uh, Hebrews, incidentally, chapter 10, verse 25, tells us that we ought to be very diligent and faithful in our attendance to gather with God's people when they uh, gather is that we are an encouragement to others. I don't know if you ever thought about that. You ought to be faithful not only for all the other things that we've mentioned, but by your coming encourages others to be faithful. And it ought to be. This place ought to be filled, all these chairs. I pray for it every week, for every chair in my heart represents a person in our greater community that needs to be under the hearing of the Word of God and may need to be saved. And I pray, Lord, fill this overflowing. Burden our hearts to be fishers of men. And may our people be faithful and gathering and love the assembly. And we enjoy that here at Christ. We enjoy the sweetness of communion and fellowship. We miss each other. A number of families missing the day of the holiday weekend, and we miss that. Just encourage you to make it the priority. It ought to be the priority of your week. And so, Jay, the first category is Jesus. Lead your ch- children to Jesus as their Savior and Lord. That's job one by category of instruction. But it doesn't stop there, does it? It moves on to the oh and joy, and that is others. You must teach your children to love others. They must learn to love their neighbor as themselves. Uh, that's the second great commandment. We find in, in Matthew 22 that Jesus, in verse 39, went on to say, and the second one is is like it, you must love your neighbor as you love yourself. It means, that well, it's not this narcissistic self-love nonsense that's egotistic and self-focused. No, it's not that. The Lord is simply saying, look, the way you love yourself is that you groom yourself, you bathe yourself, you shower yourself, you brush your teeth, you feed yourself, you clothe yourself, you live indoors, and and, and all the rest. And the the way you care for yourself, so have that sort of mentality to uh, all others that you meet, and Paul says in another way, especially to those of the household of faith, that we are to be others-minded. How Rare that is in our day, this uh, day in which we live. And A, uh, they need to know that we're not born neutral. Uh, That's uh, this idea that, uh, that everyone's born as a blank tablet, you know, and what happens are the marks and things. It is true that the things that happen to us do influence us but we're not born neutral, we're not born good, we're not. The Bible never teaches that. Rather, again, uh, we are we are uh, utterly self-centered uh, by birth, and we manifest that very early on, don't we? My toy, you know, we do that when we're little, and we do that when we're big, don't we? My toy, and we hit them in the head if they get too close and... We feel encroached upon. Ephesians chapter 2 to 1 to 4, I have it on your sheet, reminds us that we were by nature, uh, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world, the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work, and those who are disobedient, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature. And following his desires and thought, like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. That means that we were born that way. We're not born neutral. Help them, then, uh, to think of others first and to deny themselves. Self-denial. Teach them to share. We think about others. So they're not just looking at their own P's and Q's. B, you must insist that they obey you as this is God's will and protection for them. You must insist. You can't faint in this. Oh, this is hard. Oh, it's trying. Oh, she keeps pressing me. Listen, we have, we have Faith and I, have given birth to some strong-willed children. I, like, I do. I like strong-willed children because they usually are going somewhere. You just got to pray and work that it's the right way, right? Because they could be the wrong way. I was that way as a child. I know it's hard to believe. <laughs> but if my father didn't discipline me and, and really invest that in me, I could have ended up in jail. I could have. I had so much energy, and the world was so big, and it was just hanging out there. And it was like, we got a, we got a, we've, got a, we've got a major assignment here in this guy. That was sort of my father's words. I, I, I'm not kidding. And uh, and so, uh, I mean, I, he was going to run over me if I didn't. I mean, the last time he disciplined me, I shouldn't say it because it doesn't give the right idea, but I was mouthing off at him about something because I wanted to go see a friend, and, and I did some work pretty sloppy, and I don't know what I said under my breath, but I, he heard it. I didn't think he could hear that well. And I looked out, he had a two-by-four in his arm. He was chasing me down the driveway. Now there's a thought for you to think about your pastor to be. <laughs> and good thing my feet were a little quicker than that two-by-four-by-eight that was uh, coming. because. <laughs> and I needed that plus twice. I said that before. I think I only got about half the discipline I really needed I didn't tell my mother that uh, the other week at our family reunion, but uh, I'm thankful for it. It's funny how it is. Years later, you go, like, and you laugh about those things. They're not funny at the moment. Getting grounded for a month and, uh, you know, and all the, other, uh, the pain and all that uh, in those early years and everything, and even later, that's not fun at the time, is it? But they become uh, the hilarious points of family reunions years later. We witnessed it. No kidding. No kidding. And uh, I'm thankful. And you just have to uh, continue. I mean continue to press and love them enough to not let them go. It's easy to let them go. Listen, the opposite of love is not hate. Did you know that? It isn't. It's indifference. Just let them go. Just ah, ah. All right, you'll find out someday. I wouldn't let it go. I would die in the midst of that. You're not doing that unless you run over me first because that is not best for you. So you must insist that they obey you. That's God's will for them. It's God's protection like any and all authority is for us. It's protective for your children. I used to say that to my kids. You need to hear my voice, and I don't care if you understand or not. We're not having negotiations here. Okay? Now, I'm more than glad to tell you from time to time why I'm saying what I'm saying. I'm not, But I want it to be like a reflex if I say, don't, you don't do it. Because there may be a time where you're stepping off the curb and a bus is going to wipe you out. And you may be saying, well, he didn't give me a reason. And you're, you are roadkill at that point. I have your best interest in mind. In fact... As God grows me in grace, if you just look at me and do what I do most of the time, you're going to be okay. You know, they kind of look at you, kind of this goofy look at that point, you know. But that's, that's really true. And it's motivational for me to love the Lord with all my heart and to do it 24-7 and to love Faithy like I ought to and to treat her as such and, and all the way in all the areas of life. But you can't lay down in this thing. Now, one of the best things about being a grandparent is, is that you uh, don't have to do too much paddling on the butt. don't have to do that. I just get to love them, play with them, and then, uh, uh, you know, you pass them over if, if need be at that point. Anyway, I've not figured all that out yet, but as we get a few more, we're going to get that down pretty good. Right, babe? <laughs> I'd rather not do that. Sarah, t- Sarah announced that to it, Dad, don't worry about it. Just come get me if it needs it. And I said, really? Even if you're napping? Yeah. I said, good. I'd rather always do that. I'll give her candy bars and that kind of stuff, and I'll let you do the other. So I'm trying to figure all that out yet. Some of you know that better than I do. All right, along this line with discipline, okay, your discipline must never be punitive, but must always be corrective. Remember, you're shepherding their heart. You must focus on the attitudes of their heart. They, you must. You must. And if you sense, if, you, if it's like sit in that seat, and they're sitting there, but you sense they're, they're just fomenting with rebellion on the inside, do not, I say do not be content with the external. Well, they're sitting in the seat. You are going to have Johnny Rebel all over the place just a little bit of time, and it will be a mess. You better work with them. I know some will say, uh, uh, you, you deal with, uh, uh, what is it, break the spirit? How does that go there? Break the, will. break the will, but not the spirit. Eh, maybe that works. I'm not sure. That may be the sense of it, maybe. Some of you have a better understanding of that than maybe I do. But their attitudes are all important. And, and don't you know that the moments after disciplining, well, I mean, when they're really broken and repentant, and maybe you prayed with them, it's a great teaching moment, isn't it? That? That's a great. To really assure them of your love and your care, and, and it hurts you more uh, the, than they could ever imagine to discipline them and, and, and to encourage them to do right and to love the Lord. It is. I never got that. When my father would say that, he'd hold my dad was a military guy, so he held a belt. This hurts me more than you. Yeah, right. We'd say that was worth a few more. You know? <laughs> yeah. But, you know, you got to be a parent to realize that this is painful business. Oh, I never that This is hard. I, can't we just hug? You know, it's just like the liberal politics. Can't we just all hug around? You want to do that? But you can't yet. You can't. And, you know, there's a difference between loving your kids and liking them. You always love them. But there are some things you won't like about them. Can I say that? There is a difference. And separate that out what a teaching moment it is well see teach them to pray for others and their needs how about uh, when they come home with their young friend from the playground or from the gym and, and then the friend leaves and you say to him, does, uh, does Bill know the Lord as Savior well I don't know dad well come, we need to pray that God opens his heart and saves him do you think your kids will ever get over that and then you pray with them, and, and they're thinking about him. And, and I'm telling you, a, a child, uh, used in a different context, a child will lead them. That's referring to the millennium when the curse is reversed in Isaiah. But many times a child will speak to an unsaved grandfather and say, Grandpa, why are you going to hell? You know, they're not <laughs> sitting on a lap, and well, that old crusty of a grand, you know, he, he just kind of melts there. Uh, holding his grandson was looking up to him. You don't love Jesus, do you? You see what I mean? Because they've caught that from you in your care and concern about others and their friends. Faith and I always loved having our home be a center for <laughs> friends. We had the, our, the kids' friends hanging out there all the time. I, I always thought it was neat that the pastor's house where all the kids hung out. And I don't know how faith did it all the time, but uh, we had kids all the time, even, even recently. I, I, they still, I have to watch what Skibbies I have on at 10 o'clock at night. I don't know who's walking in the door. I got caught the other week. You know, still, I, just, I can't get a break here, you know. <laughs> but uh, to have them around, you know. To, be, uh, to care for, for folks and teach them to have a heart for others. That's so important. And not just themselves. Uh, D encourage them to be witnesses uh, of Jesus to their friends and family. Uh, uh, e, teach them how to respond to those who hurt them with their words and actions. To pray for them, you know. Sometimes uh, girlfriends, uh, so-called, or girls that can have very sharp tongues, be very critical. Well, what do we do? Do we claw back at them? Do we get even? Do we do this? How do we respond? They need your help. They do. One day my brother, older brother, came home from it was grammar school and that day with a slam book. I never even saw it, but my father saw it. I holy man, oh man, I, I know what it was. To this day I won't forget. It was a book. They put names in it and they pass it around. You write all this garbage about all the, the kids. And my brother comes waltzing home with it. I don't know if he even had his math book with it, but my father saw it. He was like jumping up and down, ripped the thing up, and man, oh man. Help my brother and me. I'm I'm down here listening to all this. How do you deal with criticism? How do you deal with the hurts and the pains and things that people say and their friends that say or those that they go to school with? It can be brutal and, and so on and how to do that. Well, others. Jesus, others, and then finally the third category, you. You must shepherd them. You must shepherd them to live their life wisely. They must learn how to navigate through life and to do so with wisdom. And you have wisdom, and I have wisdom. We're older, right? We're supposed to. And we have wisdom. Why? Because we have experience. Well, how do you get it from that? Because we've failed. We've we've goofed it up many times. Even as parents, we're not perfect. We blow it. We have to ask our kids forgiveness. You know, I spanked the wrong one. I disciplined the wrong one, right? (laughs) Right? Or I did it in anger. I, I'd be blind if I said I never did that. I did. And you know what? They forgive you so easy and so fast. And we, we, need to, uh, uh, we need to help them navigate through life and do so with the wisdom that God has given us, much of it through our failures. A, teach them the value of discipline. You be disciplined. Teach them that. Hard work. Hard work is good. If we didn't have work to do, we saw that in Ecclesiastes, we'd be getting in a heap of trouble. Marriages would be falling apart faster than what they are. We'd be fighting at each other, not each other, can't stand it, you know, nothing to do, watch the sun rise, there it goes, another day. Man, we'd be in deep trouble. God gave us something to do, to work, to work hard, to give ourselves, make a difference, self-denial, servanthood, living as serving. Teach them how to do that. What a wise thing to do. B, teach them the value of resisting sin and the temptation of this evil world. The world will chew them up and spit them out. Oh, it advertises the high life, but it's not there to pick them up. It's not there to pick them up. It will chew them out and spit them. It is a lie. And you've got to stand there and help them because it comes at them in all sorts of signals. Teach them of sowing and reaping. Teach them of the danger of the world, the flesh, and the devil. Teach them sowing and reaping. I said that, and I'll say it again and again and again. What you sow, you will reap. It's one of the great verses that my mother burned into my heart. Simple thing. What seed you put in the ground, don't be surprised. That's what's going to come up in your life. What are you planting? That the world is a dangerous place. It is. That they're to keep their eyes fixed on Jesus. Don't be naive. Don't be overwhelmed with fear. Just be wise. Be wise in the way they live. See, teach them their special God-given uniqueness. God has given them talents and abilities, probably different from yours. Two out of three of our kids are musical. Well, Faith and I each took five years of piano, but uh, the way Sarah played the piano and did some other instruments, in the way John—they're unbelievable. I think I don't. There was a jump in the generations or something, and other abilities at sports or crafts or working with their hands. You know what I'm saying? And they have different talents and abilities and interests. And, and part of our job in training them up in the way they should is help them to discover their u- uniqueness and help them to, to come into the full usage of that. Help them to find their place in the world. They're wondering where they fit, so help them in that. D, teach them to be givers. Oh, do that. Teach them to give. To give first to God. To, to give of their of their offerings. Their quarters, nickels, and dimes, and dollars. And and you set the way in this. It's a joy. It's a privilege to be givers, not only to God but to others, families that have need. There's a terrible story told, and my mother told this story up the street uh, from her house. The Dr. Carlson, M.D., surgeon, and uh, he's retired now, and his his uh, son. Also is a medical doctor, surgeon, lives in Virginia. They were up visiting um, not too long ago. Uh, not this year, though. And over Thanksgiving, and while they were up, a, uh, a delivery truck ran into his wife driving with the kids and killed his wife. She was in a coma for four or five days, and they finally uh, disconnected her. She was a woman in her 30s. And she had a little baby, eighteen years old. It was horrible. It was horrible. Um, uh, an accident. Visiting their hometown, and uh, and mom said, and we made so many meals. We were there, living with those people all week long, giving and giving and giving, and in the cries and the tears of these young children because their mama was in that coma, and then when they finally disconnected her, and but. Giving, I can remember other times uh, and Faithy's home was open all the time to give and to help and to be a blessing. Uh, There were several of my father's friends died and they moved in with us. And, And I remember that very dramatically in my life. Giving, giving, you give your time, you give your resources, you give whatever you can. And the essence of living is giving, it's not getting. And sometimes we don't figure it out until it's too late. Teach them to give and to be a blessing. That's the, that's the point of joy. It was Jesus that said it's more blessed to give than to receive. Oh, teach them to be generous and to live that way. And you'll, you'll, you'll really teach them to be happy. Uh, e, teach them to really live to the max. To do so, to go for. That's Ecclesiastes. And F, teach them to love others freely. To love without strings or manipulation. Love freely, love others, Jesus, joy, Jesus, others, and you. Maybe three categories of instruction that will be helpful as you and I think about the training up of our children and the blessing that we can be even to our grandchildren. What are some lessons? Number one, well, the single most important thing is that you must be saved. That's uh, that's number one. Today, if you're here and you've never trusted Christ the Lord as your Savior from your sin, you must be born again. A simple prayer of faith. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. Thank you for dying in my place. I receive you as my Lord and as my Savior. You'll be saved according to the authority of the Word of God. You must be saved. I grew up in a home where my father was not saved. It was a huge disadvantage in spiritual things. I prayed for years that God would save him, and he did. Trust Christ and be saved. Number two, after salvation, the next important thing is for you to really live for Christ. Really live for him. What are you holding back on? Live for him in every compartment and category of your life. Live for him. That's why God made you, for his pleasure. Not yours, but in that, if you do, you'll have more pleasure and joy than you would in any other way that you live. Number three, remember you are to shepherd your child's heart. Shepherding their heart. It's not the behavior. That's the symptom of what's going on within. It's the way they're thinking. It's the attitudes. You need to help them through that. In the ways of God. That's your focus. Number four, every single day, let me urge you, cover your children and your grandchildren with your prayers. Cover them. Job did that. Remember, he, he went and he prayed for his children and his grandchildren. Lest there may be some. And I count that as one of my most important things by name. Not only praying for many of you every day, but before that, I uh, pray, pray for my family, for my children, my granddaughter, and the one on the way. Pray for them by name and so should you. Pray. God hears the prayers of a mom and dad, grandmom granddad. Number five and last, spend your life impressing. Remember that, Deuteronomy 6? Spend your life impressing the truths of God upon your little ones. Spend your life doing that. Do that. That's your life message. Get them on your team. Let them love the Lord, their God, with all their heart, their soul, and their strength and others help them to find where they fit now maybe just maybe there's an area or two that i might have missed or that you like to make an emphasis i'd like to take just a minute and a half here just quickly what would you suggest is an area that uh, you'd like to see emphasized as well anything come to mind some of you are saying i like that when you take questions at the end or comments yeah barbara The idea of being an example—that uh, biblical truth and love for the word—is more caught than taught. What do I mean by that? It's your life. They see it. Especially boys are that way, man. Boys are that way. We're more visual. Yes, Paul. All right, good. So to be a Christian and love the Lord is only reasonable. In fact, it's the most reasonable out of all. Roger? Yeah, Paul and I were thinking along the same lines. Uh, statistics show that uh, kids, that particularly that grow up in, in public school, just get inundated with the idea that the Bible is utterly useless, just a bunch of stories, that there is absolutely you know, no relevance to real life. Whereas the Bible is the most relevant uh, fa- and the facts of science support the truth of Scripture and not vice versa. And that's we have to be up on uh, to be able to give at least the basic answers as to why the, scripture, the Scripture's history is true from Genesis 1-1 to the end. Amen. Thank you, Raj. Beautiful. Well, who else? Uh, any other suggestions? I see another hand or two. Good idea, Jim. Especially for fathers. Um, until a child is old enough to shift their frame of reference from you as a father to God as a father, you represent God that so Yeah, that'll point oh that's good. Everyone catch that? Dad, whether you like it or not, you 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 remember Teddy Roosevelt huh? walks off when Curry the Big say, You are the man. You represent God the Father to your child your little ones. And they're projecting, when you talk about our Father in heaven, they're seeing it right through you. That ought, to, that ought to, A, terrify us. B, cause us to be men and women of prayer. And third, strive for obedience. And that's exactly true. What image are we casting? And maybe one more. Anyone else? One more suggestion on... I hope it was helpful. It was immensely practical and trying to present the three categories. Get ready, fasten your your seatbelt on next week as we deal with uh, the extent of the atonement and search the scriptures on that.